0: Support for today's show comes from the Reckless series by Cornelia Funk. Giving books as presents this holiday season, Cornelia Funk's Reckless, The Petrified Flesh, follows treasure hunter Jacob Reckless and his companion Fox through adventures in the mirror world. You may have read Funk's middle grade series, Ink World. Reckless brings her rich storytelling to a more mature young adult and new adult reader. Reckless the Petrified Flesh is available on Amazon, but publisher Breathing Books would love for you to find it at your local indie bookstore. For more info, visit www.breathing-books.com.
1: You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 137, and today we are talking about some of our favorite books released in 2017. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow Well redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com.
0: I cannot believe we're doing our Best Books of the Year show. It's kind of crazy. It's gone by so fast. We're getting old. Yes, I know. (laughs) It's <laughs> been lot the of... longest
1: year ever. Uh, you know,
0: this is an unpopular opinion. I thought 2016 was just so much more unbearable than 2017 was, but this year has gone by fast and like in a weird way. And I have a lot more gray hairs now than I did a year ago. Um, I think this presidency is aging me. But we've had good books this year. And this is the first of two shows. So if you've been listening for a while, what we've done in the past is one episode about the best fiction of the year and another episode about the best nonfiction of the year. And we've mixed it up with some other stuff too, I think. But this time around, we didn't want to break it out. That way, we're just going to do two episodes of our best books of the year. So you're getting a little fiction and a little nonfiction on both. Um, It's our party. That's what we're doing. Um,
1: And because we love so many books... Um, we've, we're just going to kind of give a little shout out to a few titles now that we've talked about like a whole bunch of times, which frees up some more space for other ones that we haven't talked about as many times, I think. Is,
0: yeah, is I think we idea. both... Yeah, we both like to use these shows to hit on things that are, like, we can't talk about all of the books we loved this year on these two episodes, and so we try to use the spots on these to, like, maybe highlight something that you haven't heard about or that we've talked about once before but that we didn't see get as much attention as we wanted it to get elsewhere, or the stuff we just love so much that we can't shut up about it. But there are some books that we loved that also everybody else loved, um, which those books you know, deserve that attention, but we're going to just do quick shout outs to them um, to acknowledge what they are instead of taking up some of our precious slots with them today. So um, I want to give shouts. I think we both do. Actually, oh, these yeah. are all pretty. These are pretty mutual yeah. shout outs here um, to Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. Um, Sing Unburied Sing by Jasmine Ward. All Grown Up by Jamie Attenberg. Um, And then you added a couple more of these, so you can, you say the next few, Liberty. Oh,
1: (laughs) my turn. Uh, Pachinko (laughs) by Min Jin Lee. Definitely one that we talked about a whole bunch. Um, uh, The author's name of the next one is Escaping Me. Oh, yeah. It's um, Exit West, which just love, 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 uh, is by Mohsin Hamid. And uh, the other one is Fact of a Body, which, like, I think I talked about, like, five times. So, we're going to, we retired all grown up by Jamie Attenberg, I think, it was, like, the second Jersey we retired after Queen of the Night. Um, so, one of these, I think, is going to be probably the next one that goes up in the mm-hmm. Well Redheads Hall of Fame. Um, but, you know, we've talked about them a whole bunch, so we want to talk about some other things. But we love them. We do so big heart eye emojis to all
0: of those. All right, and now let's let's get into it. What is your um, mine are in no particular order? Are yours no. in an order?
1: No, not really.
0: Okay, so what is your first, but not necessarily first place favorite book of twenty seventeen?
1: Oh, it might arguably be my favorite book, though. <laughs> it is. <a> <laughs> That's of, true. It's the first one I, I have wrote heard on you my say list. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Heart's Invisible Theories by John Boyne. I just, I can't even handle how much I loved this book. Um, It's, it's so good. And one might even argue it's a little bit like John Irving fan fiction because it's, it's like reading an older John Irving, like an early John Irving novel without like the super weird sex stuff. But I mean, he even dedicates the book to John Irving. I mean, you're reading it and it's like reading a John Irving book. And that's not bad because it's amazing. Um, But it's about a... young man. Well, he's a a young boy at the beginning of the book named Cecil Avery. It's the 1950s. It's in Ireland. Um, his mother becomes pregnant with him. She's a teenager. She gives him up for adoption. He's adopted by a very rich, but very standoffish, uh, couple. Um, they give him everything that he could ever want, but they remind him all the time that he's not an actual Avery. He's just, you know, a part of the family, uh, through paperwork. Um, he has a best friend that he cares about, but also cares about in ways that he doesn't think that he should. Um, and as he grows into a teen, he realizes that he's in love with his best friend. But this is like Ireland and now like in the 1960s, and being gay is, is an actual crime. Like you could go to jail for it. Um, so he struggles with these feelings. Um, later on, he moves to Amsterdam where it's not illegal to be gay and he learns like what it is to, to love and not be afraid. And then later on, the book moves to New York and there's a whole thing with him, you know, finding about, out about his birth mother. And it's just, it's so, so sad, but also so, so funny. Like, it just tugged at my heartstrings the whole time. Just so wonderful and full of feeling. And it's just, it's infuriating, like the hypocrisy of the Catholic Church. And, you know, it's full of love, like his mother looking for him. And I just, I, lo- I could just keep babbling so someone's shop. Um, again, it is called The Heart's Invisible Furies, and it's by John Boyne.
0: You're going to be so excited because that is what I'm going to read next. I haven't read it yet. I bought it earlier this summer after you talked about it so much, and I have been waiting to get to this time of the year where I'm just catching up and reading whatever I want, and that is first oh. on my stack. I'm so excited. I think
1: you're really going to like it. I mean, because... I think you will. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I think you will, too. Will I? <laughs> um, it's like, you know, it has those, like, ridiculous, like, over-the-top, like, sort of John Irving-ish moments where you're like, that's so silly, that would never actually happen. But, like, it works for it, you know? It's just mm-hmm. so good. So good.
0: Oh, my first one uh, for the year, I and I really did not put mine in order because I had a list of fiction and a list of nonfiction, and then I just sort of like pulled things out of the grab bag to get them in order here. Um, but I loved this book. It was one of the first books I read in 2017. It came out in January, and I feel like it just got lost in the shuffle. It's Idaho by Emily Ruskovich. Um, it's just A quiet, stunning novel about a couple who live in a remote and really rugged um, part of Idaho. They are struggling through a time in their life because the husband and the couple, who I believe is slightly older than the wife, I don't remember the particulars, um, but he is suffering from dementia and as dementia does, it is progressing. Um, The wife is his second wife. She knows that something happened with his first wife and their children um, that changed his life, but she doesn't Know the details. He's never really talked to her about it. And as they're struggling through the like the day to day, just mundane, difficult things of him having dementia, and also some of the really scary things that happen when people have dementia. Like he sometimes becomes uh, unpredictably violent in a way that he never was before, and he does things like he wants windows in their cabin in the middle of the winter. And she comes home one day, and he's like sawed a bunch of holes into their wall into the wall of their home, and it's you know, snowing outside in Idaho. And he doesn't even know what he's done. In the midst of all that, they're trying to, or she is trying to put together the things that would have been held in his memory if he still had his memory for herself and for him. um, She knows that one of the daughters, or sorry, the first wife is in prison. Um, and she, But she doesn't know why. Um, so there's this kind of mystery at the core of it, but the book is not a mystery. It's not about solving what happened. It's about this couple's devotion to each other, about um, what memory can do to us in really beautiful and really awful ways, and what happens when your memory betrays you, and... Sort of loss and family. It's it, this is like literary fiction, um, beautifully written. She won the O. Henry Prize, and it's obvious why Emily Ruskovich is a writer who would get that honor. This is really, really carefully crafted. Every word is there for a reason. Um, it's a tightly packed story um I just was spellbound by it and I want more people to read it so that's Idaho by Emily Ruskovich
1: it literally came out the first Tuesday of the year yeah I remember like like you probably read it last year
0: I did, actually. Bob had a tattoo appointment on New Year's Eve, and I remember sitting in the coffee shop around the corner from the tattoo parlor reading it, um, like, in one go. So, yeah, I read it. It was actually the last book I read of 2016, um, (laughs) which is kind of weird and nice.
1: Well, Um, before I tell you about Another one of my favorite bookmark holders. I'm going to tell you about my favorite <laughs> boob holder. There we go. It's been a while <laughs> since we had a good boob joke. Yeah. I'm like, I've run out of boob jokes, really. When Amanda was on the show the other day, she's like, I'm so nervous. I'm like, well, I said, you know, you'll be fine. But like when it's out, you know, make a boob joke. They go over big. Like my boobs. <laughs> so, um, yes. Yeah, so- like even <laughs> if there's
0: not a third love spot, just tell a yeah, joke.
1: Tell a joke. Um, but third love is back. Oh, and I want to tell you a little bit about them because it's the holiday time and you want to look your best for the holidays. There's parties and reunions and work things and who has time to go to the department store and who wants to? I know we say this every time, but oh my goodness, I hate them all. Um, And so when you finally pick out the right outfit, you don't want it to be ruined by an ill-fitting bra. This holiday season, give yourself the gift of third love, because no gift is better than the one you give yourself. That's what I think, anyway. It's probably very selfish. But, like, oh, well. Um, Third love uses thousands of real women's measurements and super smoothing memory foam to create bras that are super comfortable and make you look and feel great. Third Love offers bras in sizes AA through G as well as their exclusive half cup sizes. And with over 15 styles including strapless and plunge, there's a bra for every holiday party look. And if you're not sure about your size, you can chat with a fit specialist and you can take their fit finder quiz and it's super easy to do and they will help you shop from the comfort of your own home. And because Third Love knows it's the season to spread cheer, they're offering you 15% off on your first purchase so you can feel and look your best this holiday season so go to thirdlove.com books to upgrade your holiday style with a perfect fitting third love bra and get 15 percent off your purchase that's thirdlove.com books for 15 percent off your first third love bra and we thank them for sponsoring
0: yes so very much we do i love
1: them so All right, lady you're up next yes so this this book oh every book that i'm going to talk about i'm really like, uh, <laughs> but
0: just sigh
1: <laughs> i know that like I know that so many of our listeners out there have, have, lis- have, have listened to this. have read this book as well now and everyone is just as excited as I am for the second one to come out next year and they've already like pushed the date like twice so we can all go ah, together when they do it again. But it is my favorite thing is Monsters by Emile Ferris. It's a graphic novel. It has the most gorgeous artwork I've ever seen. just the most intricate pen detail. It's incredible. It takes place in 1968. It's about a young girl. Named Karen, she's ten years old. She lives with her mother and older brother. Um, their upstairs neighbor has committed suicide, but Karen, who is very into monster movies and detective stories, decides that she thinks something else has actually happened to her, and she's going to investigate it. Um, in the book, this sort of is sort of like a diary of Karen. She's like illustrating her experiences. She draws herself as a little wolfman, which is awesome. Um, she goes to visit the Chicago Museum of Art and draws some of the the paintings, which is just f- incredible. Like I cannot believe the amount of detail in this book, and it, like the backstory is amazing. Like the the author had West Nile, and it took her like ten years to to finish the book, and then it got held up in Panama for a year because the shipping company that the book was like the boat was on, the book was on the boat. Like they went out of business, so nobody could move the book. It's just like this big, long struggle to do things. And it finally came out, and it was worth the wait. It's enormous. It's gorgeous. The second one now, supposedly, is coming out in August of next year. Fingers crossed. It's so good. Again, it's called My Favorite Thing is Monsters by Emile Ferris.
0: This one is deep from within my wheelhouse. It's The Nature Fix, Why Nature Makes Us Happier, Healthier, and More Creative by Florence Williams. And this is kind of a Mary Roach feeling, but not as like Florence Williams isn't trying to be as funny, but this is very entertaining, readable, accessible nonfiction. If there is a nonfiction person on your holiday list this year, maybe that person is you. Um, If you are resolving to spend more time outside in the new year, or maybe you need some science to nudge you in that direction, this is a, a great book for it. Um, she goes into cutting-edge research um, and all the way back to ancient poets and philosophers who talked about how lovely it was to be outside and how being outdoors makes us feel great. Um, famous artists that drew inspiration from nature. Wordsworth famously composed a lot of his poems while tromping around in the countryside. Um, and Nikola Tesla like thought of the electric motor while he was out in a park and that's just a few examples of creative ideas that have been born out of nature, but it's not just about having creative ideas. It's about the fact that our brains are wired because of evolution to not just like, but to need to be outdoors, to be in green spaces with clean air, to be in quiet. Um, And so there's fascinating research in here too about the difference between being outdoors in a city and being outdoors in the country, being in a city park where you can hear horns honking and being you know, further removed um, from the world where it's remote and quiet or like you're out on a mountain or you're out in the woods and it's just you and nature. And so there's sort of big picture takeaways, like one study I think showed that you need to be outside about, um, I think it's like five hours a week um, to get optimal results um, or like that it's kind of the minimum that you need of being outside to feel really good um so you can come up with some pretty concrete goals for yourself but there's also interesting stuff like um the a particular ratio between different kinds of branches and trees is called a fractal ratio and our brains respond to those fractals like our our brains get happy um, when they see this ratio in nature and just Fascinatingly, that is the same ratio, those fractals um, that are found in a lot of Jackson Pollock's paintings. So you can connect why we respond to that artistic work in such a visceral way with what our brains do when we come across those ratios in nature it's just fascinating I really love this stuff it helped me um, think about why I like to be outside so much and also what I could do to incorporate more time outside into my daily life other than you know like walking the dog around the block for 20 minutes which is better than nothing but not quite enough to like really get juiced on nature. Um, I really loved this book again it's The Nature Fix by Florence Williams.
1: Fantastic. Mhm. Where are you going now? <sighs> so, I was really excited that Jasmine Ward won the National Book Award for fiction. Like no complaints. However, I was kind of really pulling for this next, next book because it's a small press and mm-hmm. it was her first. It's a Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado. It's a bunch of dark psychological stories about women's bodies, like things that are done to them, things that happen to them, you know, both good and bad. But they're like very creepy and sexual and wonderful. And there's a, a retelling of the Green Ribbon story. There is a creepy story about a prom dress. There is a story like based on like Law and Order SVU, which I almost said SUV, which would be different. Um, <laughs> but like if I watched that show, I'm sure I would have appreciated it more. But I still like really really enjoyed it. It's just this fantastic collection of queer brilliant stories. Um, And I so wanted her to win. But, hey, I mean, she was a finalist. It was fantastic press. And they're just so good. Again, they are called Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado. All right,
0: um, this is another novel that I've been pulling for this year, and it got some recognition. It was named by the Washington Post as a notable work of fiction this year. Um, the author is on the National Book Foundation's five under 35 list, and this is another debut novel um, by, just, I think, a supremely talented woman. It's called Chemistry by Qi Wong, and uh, the if you liked um, Department of Speculation by Jenny Offal, this is the same feel, but not the same content. And so about a woman in her early mid-20s, she's in graduate school, but it's not going super well. Um, She's studying chemistry. She used to love it, but she's not sure that she loves it or even likes it anymore. Her research is not going well. Um, Her advisors are reminding her that she's behind. And more than anything, her parents, um, her family is Chinese, are pressuring her And that heritage and sort of family traditions play a large role in the way that she feels about what's expected of her um, and that pressure to be excellent in every realm of her life. Um, In addition to what am I going to do with my life professionally, there's this other thing uh, going on where she has been proposed to by her boyfriend and she is just not Sure that she wants to marry him, um, even though it makes sense to everybody else that she should. So the core of the book is this young woman um, coming to sort of the it's sort of a quarter life crisis novel um, in a very quiet and thoughtful way. This is not like a shiny. Uh, beachy millennial figures, her stuff out kind of book. Um, nothing wrong with those. That's just not what this is. Um, it, it's about this character. We never know her name, figuring out what she really wants. And it takes place over a couple of years where, um, she starts to test, you know, what happens if I push back against what my parents expect of me, like how bad will it be? Or maybe it won't be so bad. Um, if I disappoint them and starts to discover who she is and what she wants. and sort of take that scary step of coming out on the limb to say what her, you know, basically what her truth is. How do you do that and face down the fears of other people's expectations and moreover the fear that you'll be disappointing or that you won't deliver in the way that you're expected to deliver in your life. Um, Wakey Wong just wrestles with these questions so elegantly um i'm grateful to be in my mid-30s now and to be able to like look back at this time in my life and recognize um that she nails that struggle without being currently in the midst of it myself i think if you're in the middle of it too this might give you some perspective and some hope as well though Um, so that's chemistry by Wakey wong
1: how about you tell us about the next sponsor
0: all right, our next sponsor this week is A Medieval Tale, First Lessons by Galina Goncharova. Um, it's about a modern girl named Aliyah, and she's one of the best students at her medical school. But she suddenly dies in a car accident and finds herself reincarnated in the body of a heavy blonde medieval countess named Lillian Earton. She's living in the middle of nowhere in a shabby, run-down castle. She's completely completely neglected by her husband, and suddenly Aaliyah has to cope with her new life and these new circumstances. The main challenge is that Aaliyah confronts the issue of women's rights in the most women-unfriendly environment of the past. She's too smart, she's too strong, she's too streetwise to keep in line as an ordinary medieval woman, and Aaliyah, who's now Lillian, recognizes that her strengths are the very things that Lead to accusations of witchcraft and execution, so she has to beware. This is a story about a strong woman coping with the dark and sexist medieval age. There's realistic storytelling here. There's no magic or superpowers, and the heroine is dealing with everything because of her intelligence. Um, you know, the the difficult stuff that comes to her is because she's so smart, not because she's cursed by being so beautiful. Um, this is an innovative way to introduce modern inventions into the medieval world. She doesn't play a politician she focuses on restoring her castle and its territories to make her life better if you'd like to learn more you can go to litworld.com l-i-t world.com to find out about a medieval tale first lessons by galena Goncharova. thanks to them for
1: sponsoring yes we thank them all right so this one is so- probably this one's probably at the top of my like, unsung books of the year. Like, mm. I loved this book an unreasonable amount. And I I sadly have not heard other people mention it. So let me tell you... I know you... Amanda loved this one, too. Oh, okay, good. Then yay. I didn't know this. <laughs> yes, I loved this book. It's She Rides Shotgun by Jordan Harper. It's basically like a contemporary violent paper moon. It's about an 11-year-old girl named Polly. Her father is a criminal. He is in jail. While he is in jail... He crosses a very violent, crazy, skinhead gang. And he's due to be released soon, so the sadistic leader of this gang decides, like, on the day that he gets out of jail, let's kill him and his ex-wife and his daughter. Um, and he puts a hit out on them. So her father, Nate, gets out of jail. Um, he heads directly to the house to see Polly and her mother. Her mother has already been murdered. He shows up at the school. Polly hasn't seen him for a long time. And, and he says, you know, come with me. And they take off, and they try to avoid these violent skinheads that are looking to murder them. And, you know, it's sort of like, while they're going on these, you can't even call them adventures, but, um, you know, they're going from motel to motel, and they're sort of learning about each other. You know, like I said, they haven't seen each other in a very long time, so they get to sort of bond. But also, Nate is teaching Polly how to fight and how to shoot guns, and, and they're robbing places and robbing other skinheads, and she kind of learns that she loves it. Um, it's it's a very fast, very violent story, um, but it's also very sweet, and it's it's fantastic. So again, it's called She Rides Shotgun, and it's by Jordan Harper.
0: Right. This is one of mine that I loved that, I mean, it's pretty wheelhousey, but I think there's something to be found in it for just about Everyone, And I would love to see more people read it. It's Wedding Toasts I'll Never Give by Ada Calhoun. Um, this was inspired by a Modern Love column that she wrote for the New York Times, also called The Wedding Toast I'll Never Give. Um, and the concept is essentially, what if when you're giving a toast at a wedding, you told the truth about what marriage is. Um, And not, you know, this isn't like an everything is awful, marriage is hard kind of what if question. It's just what if we talked about what marriage really is um, instead of standing up there and saying like, everything will be beautiful and you'll be so happy and I know it's going to be wonderful. Any relationship between two people is very complex. Um, Committing to one for the rest of your lives is even more complex. Um, And Ada Calhoun wants us to talk about that so that people who want to be married and stay married can do it successfully. Um, and I just appreciate so much. This is like book length, real talk, um, which I find so valuable. She talks about, um, like that sometimes you're going to be completely bored by the person that you're married to. Sometimes you end up paying for your spouse's mistakes, the kinds of things that wouldn't affect you if you were still single and your lives weren't intertwined. Um, and she gives examples from her own marriage from, you know, very mundane things, those arguments that you have that start with like, why did you load the dishwasher, the dishwasher the wrong way, but end up being about something much bigger, um, to, you know, what it is to go through a rough patch and what it feels like when you're in the middle of one that like, what if this never ends? What if it's all doomed and, um, how to stay in it if staying in it is the thing that you, value. Um, She even jokes at one point that she was talking to a woman who had been married for a really long time and the woman told her, well, don't worry about it. The first 20 years are the hardest, (laughs) Um, which there's just so much heart and perspective here. Um, I think that all of our relationships in life could probably do with a little bit more scrutiny and a whole lot more thoughtfulness about how we approach them. And so that applies to marriage and anytime that people open up about what happens in their own lives and encourage us to be more open with our own friends. I've had great conversations with friends about this book um, that end up being conversations about our own lives in a way that sometimes like the stuff that happens in your romantic relationships, especially once you're married and people are done asking like, oh, how are things going with this person you're dating? Those sort of become this like private realm that nobody wants to ask about, but that, you know, we're all still humans and we need to talk about things. Um, So I think this book is a great conversation from a really talented and open writer. And it's a great conversation starter as well. So it's Wedding Toasts I'll Never Give by Ada Calhoun.
1: I bought that last week did you finally yes
0: oh i'm so glad did you buy it at print yes (laughs) oh awesome yeah josh hand sold it to me like in it with a very passionate sell this summer
1: i couldn't resist yes i do most of my shopping there anyway so it's not that was a good guess but not surprising yeah (laughs) (laughs) i can't help it i love going there all right this is our last round today yes My last pick is We Are Never Meeting in Real Life, essays by Samantha Irby. Probably the funniest thing that I read this year. I second that emotion. Yeah. She does the blog Bitches Gotta Eat, um, and she's hilarious. She writes essays. First, you know, she had a difficult childhood. She talks about that. Um, She talks, like, real talk about adult expectations, like, what. You know, you think being an adult is going to be versus what it actually is. She's not a big fan of like going out and socializing, and you know all the things that you're supposed to do when you're an adult. Um, and she she talks about like dating and and online dating and like what it's like to like live with someone she moves in with somebody like in this and then she moves to the suburbs she moves out of the city to the suburbs and what it's like to live there um she talks about her chronic pain and her weight and her cat there's very sad thing about the cat i just want to tell you that right now because i cried um but she's so funny she's just I, i couldn't even handle it she's so funny Um, And I'm really excited because she has another great essay collection called Meaty, and they are re-releasing it this spring, so you can watch for that. And it has a new fantastic cover with a little hedgehog on it. Um, And this one has a really angry-looking little cat on it. It's so great. Um, She's just brilliant. And again, it's called We Are Never Meeting in Real Life, and it's by Samantha Irby. All right,
0: I'm bringing it home today with my favorite short story collection of the year What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky by Leslie Neka Arima. Just A stunning book. The language is really beautiful, but what was so astonishing to me about this collection is the range that's on display. Some of the stories are just firmly grounded in real life. There's one about a teenage girl who goes to visit her aunt and cousins in Nigeria, and the girls kind of set out to have a wild night, and things do not go comfortably for them. Um, and then there are, there are some other stories also, you know, firmly set in reality, but the stories throughout the book sort of gradually move into something that feels a little bit more fantastical, um, or a little bit more magic realism. And then it ends with stories that are as if Leslie Nekka Arima is writing new mythology or new fables. And they're just like. You start in one place in the book and you end in another and there's no, like, there's no warning that that's what's going to happen and it's just astonishing what she has done here. Most of the time, collections of short stories, each story kind of, you know, they hang together with some common theme or some. some common themes that the author is exploring or there's a feel that connects them. And there's not like an underlying feel to this book um, other than just really stunning talent. Um, But I remember reading it and just moving from one story to the next, reading the first one and being like, wow, this is so good. And reading the second one and being like, whoa, this is even better than the first one. And then as she moves into that realm of myth being like, oh my God, what is she even doing here? This is just awesome um so that's what it means when a man falls from the sky stories by leslie neka arima great that's it that's our first round of best books of 2017 yes good job thank you you too it's been a good year
1: yes it has it really has
0: all right my friend what are you gonna go read now
1: uh i'm going to read the new leslie jameson It's called The Recovering, Intoxication, and Its Aftermath, and it's an exploration of addiction. She sort of weaves her own story of recovery in with stories of famous people. But she wrote the brilliant Empathy Exams book, so you know it's going to be so smart and fantastic. Yes, I have that on my list, too. What are you going to read?
0: Well, I'm going to go read The Heart's Invisible Furies, and then I'm going to catch up with Alicia Rye and read... And read "Wrong to Need You," which Amanda talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, I love this series that kicked off last year with "Hate to Want You," and I can't wait to read the next one. Ugh. So, a little fiction, little romance. I'm in a sweet spot here at the end of the year. That was
1: my pick, actually. Oh, it was. Yeah. Man, I just got them confused. You That's guys talked guy. about
0: a couple of romances. We did,
1: yeah, yeah. We were like, we basically were like flip a coin, like who's going to talk about which one. <laughs>
0: It's a good situation to be in.
1: Yeah, and then like that day, the next, the next one was out, like on Edelweiss. I was like, "What already?"
0: Woohoo! She's cooking.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. So good though. Very nice. Yes.
0: Well, that is it for us today. Thank you to our sponsors, Breathing Books. You can check out the Reckless series from Cornelia Funk by going to breathing-books.com. Get 15% off your purchase at Third Love by going to thirdlove.com/slash books. And find out more about A Medieval Tale: First Lessons by Galena Goncharova by going to litworld.com. In the meantime, oh wait we're not ready for that yet man I made it almost all the way through this show before it went off the the rails if you want to drop us a line you can do that at all the books at bookriot.com hit us up on Twitter I'm Rebecca Shinsky S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y Liberty is Miss Liberty we'd especially love to hear if you pick up any of these books or if you loved them and of course if you want to tell us about your favorites of the year and if you'd like to give us a little holiday gift a rating or review at Apple Podcasts would be awesome
1: and as much as we would love to hear about more our books today we just don't have the time but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter and now in the meantime and in the meantime <laughs> happy reading, reading.